1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to Season 2, Episode 49 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Today in my studio, I have my friend Luis, who came to share some of his experiences growing up in Texas and around firearms, and how he has evolved from a non-firearm person to a firearm person, and what his plans and goals are moving forward. So would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Luis Ibarra. I'm 27 years old, and I'm from El Paso, Texas. Awesome. So what brought you to Houston this weekend? So I'm going to be taking a, cor a course with you. Um, we're going to have the class for uh, shotgun and RSO, which is range safety officer. So okay. I'm very, very excited. So what made you travel from one point of Texas to the other to come all the way from El Paso to Houston, which is about what? How many miles? Uh, a little bit over 700. So it's which like 10 hour and a half drive nonstop. I mean, of course, you take some gas and food. Wow. So it makes it, you know, like 11, 11 and a half hours. Because my reputation precedes me, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what brought you all the way to Houston to take training? You know, I'm setting up a store right now and I'm working on my company. So part of the credibility that I'm working on, you know, reputation is having those credentials to be a, a instructor. Um, even though I am the uh, owner of the company, I also want to be able to teach classes and, you know, get students and, you know, help um, the, my, my customers. Uh, I'm not only, I'm not, you know, the entrepreneur only looking for the financial stuff. I'm also looking into helping, you know, customers and also getting my people, my team um, ready and set up. And, you know, if I know what my instructors are doing, it's because I know what they're supposed to be doing. So that's why I wanted to be an instructor and be certified and all that. So what kind of a store is it? It's a sporting goods company. Um, it's very, very interesting what I'm doing right now is this project because we're working on the retail part of it right now. But um, we're big on the education side. Uh, education is our main goal, and that's what we're looking because uh, we'll go more into detail, into further detail. Um, but that's something that we have to do now in the, uh, as, a, as a nation. We have to educate our people. There is a lack of education, um, and you'll see that on the news. You, you'll start to see a lot of, you know, unfortunately, uh, shootings and a lot of robberies and theft because we don't have the enough education, and that's something that I want to bring and, you know, just support my, my hometown, at least, starting with, with El Paso, 
Um, that's the reason why I wanted to open this business. So we'll go into more detail. Okay, super. So in El Paso, what was it like? Um, let's let's go back in time a little ways. So you said you're how old? 27. 27. Yeah. And you spent your entire youth and adult yeah. so far in El Paso? Yeah, since uh, right after high school, that's, that's when I moved out to a uh, state. I went to Boston. First, I did a. Uh, I went to my first college, but I didn't graduate from, from from Boston. I went for audio engineering, and then I didn't graduate. I just changed my major for show production and tour, which is pretty much the same thing. Uh, but I moved to Florida, so I've been in Texas, in Massachusetts, and then Florida, and different cities. So I know a little bit of you know what the uh, pro gun community is in different states, especially you know on on up north in Massachusetts which is not a huge community, of course. Right. But I mean, um, I have a comparison point, so as I can see. And that's how, when I was putting all my, my project together, that's how you know I, I was trying to get focus on um, on those little details. What's the, What are the benefits of being in Texas that a lot of different states don't have? Mm-hmm. So at what point, or at what age, I guess, did you really take an interest into firearms? And did you grow up learning no, how to shoot? Not so at all. <laughs> what was your, what was, what turned you into wanting to learn more about firearms? Were you self-taught? I mean, tell me a little bit about, you know, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal to be so young and to already have boots on the ground, starting a business, all the training under your belt and have the vision that you have it's pretty impressive for somebody that did not grow up in the firearms um, community or were, was not raised around firearms to be wanting to have your own business, which you're very close to opening your doors, mm-hmm. which is really, really a huge accomplishment. Right. So tell me what got you, you know, got your foot in the door to get you started on your firearm interest. See, it's actually a very, very interesting story. Uh, you won't believe it, but now that I'm 27, when I was 20, and I remember this, um, I had a roommate, and at some point, you know, we were talking on the living room, and he said, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to get a firearm, and I remember this, I mean, and I told him, I asked him, why do you want to get a firearm for? It's not that I was anti-gun, but I just didn't want, you know, uh, a firearm on my life. I didn't see the point of having a firearm in my life. But at the same time, since uh, since I was a little kid, you know, since I can go all the way back to my memories, my oldest memory, I don't know, five years old or six years old, um, I was always surrounded by guns. And notice that I say guns and not firearms. I always had, you know, on my hand, uh, pellet gun, BB gun, airsoft, water guns, Nerf guns. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my dad, and he was... Uh, he used to do a lot of uh, recreational shooting, but as a sporting uh, activity, not really as a personal defense. Mm-hmm. So when I was probably like eight years old or nine years old, I got my first Daisy, you know, rifle, nice. and I was very, very happy, you know, <laughs> very excited. But he wasn't really into firearms, so that's pretty much the same thing for me. I wasn't really into firearms, and. Uh, when I was 20, you know, back to this story that I was telling, I noticed that I have, you know, I was an ignorant person because I didn't know anything about firearms. Now, as a result, I was afraid of firearms. I was, you know, thinking like, oh, you know, firearms are bad and they're evil and, you know, this and that because I had, you know, ignorant. And it's not that it's bad to be ignorant. I mean, everybody is at some point ignorant of sure. something, you know. If you ask me some, um, you know, hey, can you recommend me a good wine? I don't know anything about wines. I, I don't even drink alcohol. So <laughs> right. I'm, I consider myself, you know, ignorant about wine. Now I'm open 
to learn about you know wine or any other you know product as far as like beer or whatever but it's just uh i got into it and it was very weird um one day i just went to youtube you know and i like this guy that he was very very funny he made it very interested and that's how i started just getting involved about you know looking different type of calibers different types of guns and the differences between a rifle handgun pistol and a shotgun and i was like okay this is interesting and that's it pretty much i mean now uh seven years after that now here i am setting yeah. up my store awesome. <laughs> selling firearms so it took your roommate in college to mention that he wanted to purchase a firearm which in turn sparked your interest saying why because you didn't have any background really information mm -hmm. on um, firearms to do your own research and you pretty much self-taught yeah and then right. you became more interested and more educated yeah and of course knowledge is power so yeah. um when with that information so you were in what boston when this no uh, florida oh this was the florida conversation yes. okay so did you purchase a firearm in florida no because i was 20 so I, uh, I wanted to get a handgun, and you know, and then after learning a little bit, I just wanted to go with a Glock. Okay. So um, I just waited. I came back to Texas, and uh, I turned twenty-one on July, and then next uh, May, that's when I got my first handgun. And I remember I was very, very nervous right after I signed that form. I was just like thinking about like, man, like what am I doing? Is, it, <laughs> is this really? Because I know once you get it, that's it. I mean, it's it's yours. I mean, you can sell it, but now you just feel a federal form. You own so, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, of I, course, you're in Texas, so you have to have a gun at 21, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> so right after I paid for it, I went to the range, uh, same store. And I remember I took a 50-round uh, uh, box, and I probably shot one magazine, and I was so nervous and so shaky that I was like, okay, I think this is it. I know how it feels. Because when I purchased my firearm, the little knowledge that I had at the moment, it was only by YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very, you know, careful about, okay, this is the way I should treat a firearm. So nobody told me anything about it before. I never had a class before. I had no experience with guns before. So I was very, very nervous. And I remember asking the, the range safety officer, hey, sir, is this the way I'm supposed to do this? And then he said, yeah, yeah, you're fine. And... Probably by that time, I saw that specific video like 50 times, just making sure that, you know, <laughs> I was under the safety protocols and all that. But I went home and the the way I store that gun, it was, I mean, now I, I laugh, but it was like in incredible. I, I remember that I had to take the magazine out and I put it in a case and then the handgun in a different case and then the ammo in a different case right? <laughs> and everything was like everything apart. And by this time, I remember that I had to hide it from my parents because they didn't know that I have a firearm. So uh, I was like, mm, <laughs> mm hmm Very nice. <laughs> so um, probably like three months after, you know, I purchased that fire the firearm and I was, you know, going more frequently into the range. Now, this is back in um, 2016, I believe, 2017. Yeah, 2016, I believe. Um, that's when I told, you know, one, one day I, we were having uh, some dinner with my parents and I told my dad, Hey dad, you know, there's something that I want to talk about. And he's like, mm, yes, you can tell me. <laughs> and I told him, you know what? I bought a farm and he, he wasn't surprised. He was like, okay, well, let's have, you know, our conversation. And I told him, you know what? I've been preparing myself at least like, uh, knowledge wise to see, uh, 
what I need to do and what I need to know when I have a firearm on me.、Mm-hmm. So he said, "That's fine. I mean, I'm glad that you tell me, and there's no secrets and that." And he started very to become very supportive.、Uh, not that he's into firearms, but he's like, "Okay, now I know that there's a firearm in the house. No problem. Thank you for letting me know."、Um, even though、um, he, I was 21 at the time, but I mean, I was living with my parents, and you know, it's their their rules. Yes, their, their roof, their rules. That's so, right. That's right. So, but I was nervous. I was nervous, and. Then after that, you know, I start getting more into okay. Let's let's see what's、uh, because I just wanted it for recreational purposes. I just wanted to go into the ranch and have some fun. Sure. Then after that, I learned that you know the process for getting a license to carry. I start getting more into self defense and different you know sizes of guns and you know there's a different frame and this and that. So、uh, right after getting、uh, the the Glock 17, that was the first model, the, my first ever firearm. Um, I got something smaller, you know. I wanted something for concealed carry.、Mm-hmm. So I went into the store and I got, you know, my my second gun. I was, you know, start paying more attention because I said, well, now that I got my LTC and now that I'm concealing a firearm on me all the time,、um, I need to make sure that I'm, you know, complying with the law,、mm-hmm. local laws, state laws, federal laws. So I start getting more, you know, more involved into it. I was like reading books, and I was literally going to the penal code,、mm-hmm. and I was just reading everything about firearms. Like, when are you,、uh, when are you good to go? When are the not the zones that you're not supposed to be, you know, carrying a firearm? And it was, I was just getting more attracted, and more and more and more, and you know, it, it was pretty much my the, the method that I had to to learn.、Um, thanks to the, to that. Right, so the, being the progr- progression of getting your firearm, getting trained, and now you know you're ultimately you own it. You know you're、mm-hmm. responsible. So it is up to you. I mean, ignorance, and I know this goes everywhere. Everything we do, ignorance is no excuse to the law.、Mm-hmm. So just because you don't know doesn't mean that's going to excuse you if you make a mistake.、Mm-hmm. So by having the the responsibility of owning a firearm and and taking that next step to get your license to carry or your LTC. Um, that also comes with an elevated level of responsibility,、oh, yeah. and it's up to you or us, the individual who goes through that, to be able to know, know those rules and know those laws to make sure that we are in compliance and, and doing everything as a responsible gun owner. Because what happens when you know people don't pay attention to the law and they have firearms?、Mm-hmm. You know, it's slowly, you know, chipping away at our the good people. You know, when the, when the bad people make mistakes. You know what happens? Yeah. So, like、uh, as an example, I got yesterday a phone call when I was driving my way here to to Houston. One of my friends he calls me. He's like, "Hey,、uh, you know, I want to put this muscle break into this barrel." He has an arrow pistol that he's working on, and he wasn't. He's he's a big gun guy, but he's not really a. He doesn't know a lot of the law stuff behind.、Mm-hmm. So he ended up pretty much. Almost making an SBR, and I told him, "Hey, man, you know, just be careful because once you put that thing on, now you just committed a felony. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to do that." And he goes, "Okay, well, thank you very much for letting me know."、Um, that's why, you know, I, w- I just wanted to give you a call because he was going to put a stock instead of a, a pistol brace.、Mm-hmm. And you know, there's certain things that, to be honest, they're very minor stuff that you might think, and and you know, you might say, "Why is this?" So big. I mean, it's a piece of plastic. Well,、mm-hmm. it's just what the law is, and you have to, you know, if you want to carry your gun, if you want to have that specific firearm, you have to comply with the law. That's it. I mean,、That's、there's、right. nothing. 
pretty much do about it. That's yeah. right. So once you've um, grown through your knowledge and, you know, learning more about firearms and pistols and um, now you wanted your business and you got more information and more training, you know, what in turn does that do to your circle of community, your circle of friends? I mean, were they interested in firearms or did you bring more people on board just by what you were going through? You see, because the how the community is in El Paso, my personal friend, my 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 close circle, I want to say, of friends, they're not they're gun enthusiasts, but they're not like I am. You know, they just, I mean, yeah, they have a firearm, but that's about it. I mean, they're not something that they're always talking about it or they're always uh, watching on YouTube. I mean, they're just yeah, they like guns. That's it. Um, it's very interesting going back to El Paso how the community spreads because there's a high community. There's a lot of people in into that. You know. Um, in, in the community, but it's, it's not that everybody's together. I mean, everybody's just like spread out. So what I want to do with this project is I want to get that community together. You know, uh, part of the project that I'm working on, uh, I think on April, I mean, if this copy thing allows me to, uh, is doing a social gun club. So I want to have at least a day of the week um, on Thursdays, I want to just gather everybody in, in, into the, the, the gun club and make it a social club, you know. Um, I'm gonna give, uh, of course you have to be a member. Once you get your membership, <laughs> you're gonna get a name tag and it's up to you if you wanna wear it or not, you, you don't have to, but I mean, the whole point is make, you know, socialize in, in yeah. that club and everybody's gonna have, you know, something in common, which is firearms. That's right. So I wanna start, you know, doing debates, uh, you know, the classic nine versus 45, AK versus AR-15, um, and just, you know, have a good time. You know, there's people who like, uh, golf. There's people who like jeeps. There's people who you know go uh, hunting and camping. Well, same thing with firearms. Now we don't have that in El Paso. There's the community, but as I said, everybody's just like spread out. Uh, since we're in the middle of the desert, everybody goes out and, and, and shoot, but they don't know each other. You know, it's, it's just you right. see about a lot of people at the stores, but everybody do what they want to do with uh, as far as you know they get. Go to the store, get a product, they leave. That's it. And what I've seen also, because I've been, you know, a customer in, in every every store in, in El Paso as far as guns, um, that's what they do. They, they're just a retail store who sell you a product and see you later. Mm-hmm. And part of my commitment with the community is uh, you're not going to be my, my, my customer. I mean, you're going to be someone who's getting a product out of me, but part of my commitment is to teach you at least giving you the option. You don't have to take it, but I want to give you the option of teaching you how to use it. Just make sure that it's on safe hands, you know? Mm-hmm. That's great. So you're basically a, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Right. <laughs> kind uh-huh. of all in one, one-stop shop. Uh-huh. So tell me where you are with your business and when you think you're going to have your grand opening. So right now, I mean, everything is open as far as the operation. I'm working as a home-based FFL. Mm-hmm. I'm already, you know, doing transfers and sales and all that. Um, we're looking to open on April. That's going to be the grand opening on April. And um, once we start the project, we're going to start as a small retail store. And then as soon as I, you know, um, I see the possibilities for doing the social gun club, um, that's something that I want to do as soon as possible. I mean, as soon as we have everything uh, under control as far as COVID-19. Yeah. That's when I want to start with that. Also with the courses and classes, uh, all the training, um, not only on farms, we're also going to offer medical training as far as like trauma, mm-hmm. CPR, AED. Uh, it's very, very important that people are 
um, prepared for the worst. You know, it's not only for shooting, but you know, when you're driving, you can get into an accident, and you you cannot just wait until fire responders uh, come into the place. I mean, I've seen it happen, unfortunately. At least in El Paso, they take a while. Yeah. Well, and and to your point of most of your ranges are out in the desert. People travel, they go to the desert, they shoot. And, you know, generally you're out pretty far from the nearest medical facility. So if you are, you know, hopefully you're shooting with somebody. So you always have that, you know, partner buddy Mm -hmm. system going. So if something does happen to one of the individuals, the other person hopefully has some kind of training where they can, you know, take care of the person that fell ill or whatever was going on medically. Exactly. So the training, um, you're going to do the the medical training, the CPR, first aid. And then um, what about the different types of firearm training? Are you going to offer everything or are you just going to stick to pistols or what kind of a range are you going to have? Well, we're actually not going to have a shooting range at the moment. Because after finding out, it is expensive. <laughs> it is expensive. expensive. Now, I want to have one. Um, I have expected as in three years from now, I'm going to be you know, moving into the second location. And that's where we're going to have a range. It's very, very small, probably mm-hmm. two or three lanes. And the reason why is because I want to make it very personal. Yeah. I want to book it you know, for one or two customers. And it is your range for an hour or two hours or whatever the time you want. It is your range. Um, from personal experience... I've seen that, you know, a lot of new people are sweeping guns and, you know, they're having malfunctions. They don't know how to clear them. Um, There's just a lot of lack of protocols and it's not their fault. You know, that, that's the reason why they're there because they're training, they're practicing, but there's have to be at least a range safety officer, which in most of the cases, we don't see that in El Paso. So part of the reason why I, um, I want to have this small range on my store is because I want you to feel comfortable because the only person that's going to be is you. Mm-hmm. And it's yourself, your friends, your family members only. Plus, also it becomes very annoying when you're loading a magazine and you know you got the ne- the guy next to you, you know, uh, going fully blast, and it just uh, makes people feel unsafe. Even though probably they are not, it's just something psychological. So that's why I want to have that option of having a small range. I mean. Not from really financial plus. Well, it is. But also, <laughs> if you have me the option, hey, do you want to have a 20-lane range or a three-lane range? I'll go with three because of that. I yeah. just want to have the experience. I want to make it feel more private. Well, and that's twofold. I really like that idea. And it's twofold, like you said, from the customer standpoint, where they feel like they're getting you know such personal attention and it's theirs. It's their range. Mm-hmm. And they have you, know, you or the instructor, whoever's with them, in case they do have problems malfunctions where they can turn around and immediately be able to resolve that and not have to wait their turn and you exactly. know find a range officer so I really like that but on the flip side from a, a manager perspective or an instructor perspective you have even more control of that range mm-hmm. because it's a controlled environment you're only watching one two up to three shooters at a time where you can control, you know, the the commands, you can control when the range is hot, you know, you can control that on a larger range too, but having it much smaller and making it more personal, um, you have a much more controlled environment where you are right there beside them. Exactly. And you can, you can set the parameter of what that day is going to look like. If right. it's going to be a smaller caliber, if it's going to be a larger caliber, and that's going to take a lot of the 
um, anxiety out of shooters, especially new shooters. And, mm-hmm. and you've been through my trainings before. You know, we always, with rifle and pistol, we always start with 22s. Mm-hmm. And one of the worst things, and it just sends a chill down my spine when people say, ah, oh, it's just a 22. Well, I, I don't like the words just a, because just a 22 can travel over two miles. Uh-huh. You know, so a 22 is a pretty lethal round if, you know, if it's accidentally fired. So being that we start with 22s, there's very little recoil, there's very little sound, and it's, it's neutral. So you don't, you're not going to be shooting right next to somebody who might have a 40 caliber or a, you know, a 357 mag or something really loud with a lot of recoil because that's going to get into that person's head and it's going to make them much more nervous or anxious or whatever their past is, why they're with you today. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it neutralizes the environment by being able to control what's, what's being shot. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then also because I want to have people, um, who are a little bit more advanced or at least comfortable to do drills. You know, if you want to, you know, do some drills, go for it. I mean, you already signed a waiver. It is your yeah. responsibility. Right. Uh, we're going to, you know, give you a range safety officer who's going to be there f- for your help. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you want to do some action, you know, shooting drills and yeah, go for it. Right. And be in a small range like that, you can, not have to wait on other people or say, oh, we don't do those on Tuesdays. You have to come back on Saturday to do stuff like that. So you have total control over that Mm -hmm. small group. That's awesome. Very good. So that's, that's the range part. That's the only thing that I just left out, which we're, you know, expecting to have in three years. But right now, going back to the uh, the origins of the store, it's pretty much a retail store, which you're going to find medical stuff. You're going to have BB guns, airsoft, paintball, everything that comes with guns and shoots a projectile, including archery, just apparel. I want to launch my uh, clothing line, mm-hmm. something small, but as far as pretty much with a little firearm on it. So, yeah, it's, it's a big project. Um I want to franchise it later on, and then I want to expand it in, uh, into Texas, into different cities. Houston is one of the big ones that I want to come with. Dallas, uh, Lubbock, Deza, Midland, Laredo, Brownsville. So pretty much everywhere in Texas. It's Love that vision. My my expansion in ten years from now. Hopefully, that's great. That yeah. is great. So do you have a lot of partners? No, myself. That's Yourself. it. 100% myself. <laughs> that's, well, the good thing about that is you can pick and choose exactly. who you want to, <laughs> to go into business with. It's a little bit harder, but hey, you know. That's right. I'm well, going to make good. it happen. So. so is there anything like that in your community? No. No. I mean, as I said before, it's just they. there's one one store. Um, they offer you, they have actually the biggest range, which is a big range. I mean, it's like 25 lanes indoor they sell you a product and see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a commitment with my customers. I have something that I want to do with my community, which is education. More than retail is education. And that's something that, unfortunately, you know, we have a lack of education as far as guns uh, in, in, across the, the, the country. It's, it's not only in my town or in, in Texas, um, just unfortunate events because there's a lack of education. And what I mean with this is emotional. A lot of people who are very sensitive, uh, everything is offensive, everything is just too personal. And, you know, they have to just relax a little bit and, and, and see things in a different perspective. Part of a campaign that I'm working on right now is doing a shooting campaign, prevent, uh, shooting com- prevention campaign, I'm sorry. And I'm working with the El Paso Police Department to go into the schools and, you know, get teachers 
the right knowledge to try to detect, you know, avoid all possible. Um, that's something that, you know, when, when you ask me, how do you start with this project? Or if you ask me, when was all this? I wanted to go into this industry for a couple of reasons. The first thing is I don't see this as my job or as a work. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just my passion and, you know, I get paid for it. So I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun. But also, you know, we had in 2019, I believe, the unfortunate event of Walmart shooting, yeah. you know. Um, in so, El Paso. Yeah. 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 So we, when I saw that, I was completely surprised. You know, we never had in the history of El Paso, never had a, an event like that. And right after that, you know, that's when I started thinking, what can I do for my community? You know, I was born and raised in El Paso. I went to college in Boston, then I moved to Florida, but I always come back to El Paso. So mm-hmm. that's when I realized I love this town. You know, if you go, don't expect a lot of it, because to be honest, it's not a beautiful town. It's very cheap, I can tell you that. But it's not a beautiful city that we don't have a lot of going on, but I just, there's something on it that I like it. The, the people, I've been there once mm-hmm. and I spent about four days there and the, the people as a whole, they're, they're just nice yeah. people. The, the town, it's a, it's a small town feeling for, what, what's the population of El Paso it's, now? I want to say a little bit over 800,000. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like that when no. you're, when you're in town and you're in the city, you know, everybody that you meet, they, it's just that small town feeling everybody Mm -hmm. everybody feels like they're your neighbor and and they're just a nice a nice community yeah right after that you know horrible event of walmart that's when i saw it to myself like hey someone has to do something about it because i don't want to see this again anywhere but i live in el paso and i want to do something for for this city so I start, you know what, let's, let's go with a, what, what the problem is. A problem that everybody is going to look is, of course, the guns, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we have a gun problem and we need more gun control. No, that's not the answer. The answer is we need education. I'll give you an example. It's just like people when they're driving, you know, nobody wakes up and thinks, oh, you know what, I know the freeway speed limit is 60 miles per hour, so I'm going to drive 80. Nobody does that, but... When you're driving at the moment and, and you're into rush to get into some place and, you know, you have to do this by this time, that's when you get a ticket because you're spitting. Mm-hmm. Same thing with firearms. So if we can avoid that, how can we do it? We have to become more sensitive to life. Mm-hmm. And something that I have, you know, I've been thinking in, 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 in for a few months now, I don't want this to happen, but there is a big possibility that... It probably is going to become worse with uh, with time, and the reason is because at least for me, I'm 27 years old. When I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of the the video games that we have right now. You know, I mean, yes, I have Call of Duty, I have Grand Theft Auto, but I wasn't big into into video games. Um, probably I started playing those games when I was 15. Now I see little kids as young as seven years old, eight years old playing Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty. So they're supposed to be for mature people, which I believe they're considered 17 and older. Everywhere you go now, you, you go to a restaurant, you're, you, everywhere, everywhere you go, you're going to see a little kid in front of an iPad, in front of mm-hmm. a phone. And it keeps, I keep wondering, why, why is that? So they just want to keep them busy with a phone. Okay, so you have a baby and it's, or a little kid and he's been very annoying. So, okay, just, just give him the phone, you know, just put him YouTube. Yeah. But you're not supervising what he's watching. I've seen um, baby gadgets now that have clamps on like 
the swings oh, yeah. and the carriers yeah. that actually have clamps for iPads oh, or God. things that they can watch right there as little infants. Yeah. And it's not that I'm against. It's just that sure. they're not doing, they're not really, you know, parenting. Um, same thing with video games. You know, they probably the little kid is just pushing it. Hey, mom, I want to get Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto, but they don't know what it is. Right. So they grow up thinking that shooting in a video game is normal. So yes, I mean, that's a video game, but that's how they grew up. Right. And they're, I don't know, 14, 15 now. Now, seven years from now, they're going to turn 21. Now they're going to be able to get a firearm. And they will probably because if they're good citizens, they never committed a felony just by law. I mean, if you're living in a great state like in Texas, mm-hmm. they will be able to get a firearm. Are they bad people? No, they're not. But they've been, they've been um, growing up with the idea that shooting is just normal. Right. They never been to a range. Um, hopefully, you know, they got some friends who are a little bit into firearms and they give them some knowledge about the real firearms and not just video games. So if they grow up like that, my theory is in, when, in, when they become an adult and turn 21 or 18 for a rifle, they better have some knowledge and they better be sensitive about life. Because it's not like on a video game, though. Oh, game over. Let me start over again. No. Or respawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I need to do something yeah. now, which is my company, the Gun Freedom Co. That's the name of the company. And that is something that I'm working on my community. And, you know, hopefully I'm, I, I want to expand as soon as I can uh, through the state of Texas. But that's something that I'm doing now. Me as a person, that is my commitment as a instructor, that is my commitment as an entrepreneur, that I want to do something for my community, for their mindsets. That's a huge accomplishment. So, and and most big movements start at, at the grassroots level. Exactly. And you don't have to wait. Um, you know, one of my friends was telling me that like, he was, he, he's a good enthusiast, but he said, well, have you realized that every movement starts right after something happens? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And, you know, that's probably the same thing that happened to me when I saw that, you know, unfortunate shooting from El Paso. But if I could avoid that one or if I can just avoid any other one, that's why I want to work it right now. Right. You know, just getting into people's um, education and telling them, hey, you know, this is the, the, the right way to treat a firearm. This is safety protocols that you have to follow. And if there's no accident, then, you know, everybody should be good. That's right. That's great. Mm-hmm. So have you um, started talking to people in your community about your, your project? Do they yeah. know, are they looking forward to having a facility oh, like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any success stories that you've heard so far? I mean, everybody is pretty much excited about becoming a member for the Social Gun Club. Everybody uh, is keep asking questions about, hey, when is going to be the, my, my where can I get my first training and mm-hmm. this and that? And, you know, as I said, we just open, we're about to open on April. So as soon as I get that, and then also the city does not allow to, you know, do a lot of gatherings because of COVID-19. Right. Um, as soon as everything is under control, then that's when I'm going to start, you know, doing all the classes. Um, also in April, I'm going to be traveling to a small town to get my certification as an LTC instructor. So that's something that I'm also looking 
into. Oh, awesome. So you're getting the full oh, yeah. range of instruction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you planning on doing any specialty trainings? Like um, you talked about your social night, your gathering, um, anything for specifically for kids or specifically for women? Everybody. I mean, Every- <laughs> if you have, you know, if you can think, then you can take my class. I mean, it's, it's actually um, something that I was thinking last night when I was driving here is education Overall, I mean, I'm talking about like also college and you know, education should be more accessible to anybody. Mm-hmm. And something that I'm willing to do and something that I started thinking last night is at least once a month, I'm just going to give a, give away a class. I'm going to do it for free. I mean, yeah. it, it is part of the responsibility, you know, or the commitment with the community. I just want to know... I don't care if you can if you if you cannot afford it it's fine I'll give it I'll give it away but I, yeah. I want to make sure that at least you have that opportunity I know classes are not cheap depends on what you take mm-hmm. but I just want to make it accessible to people That's right that's mm-hmm. right that is awesome well hopefully something like that in your community will really take off well and it sounds like there's a need for that and mm-hmm. so that's where it all begins so that's good yeah. congratulations Yeah well so I'm I'm excited to you know just finally do this uh project uh, it's been a year and a half of just planning and, you know, it's a lot getting of into detail. Yeah. And it's, and it's a big, big, big project. I mean, uh, something that it's on my phase number four, cause I'm working on phase number two. The first one was just launch and open for business, which I am right now. The second is going into the retail location. Um, but on the fourth one, which is one of the final ones, uh, I might go into the phase five, but you know, we're standing by, but if it's something that it's definitely number four. It's I want to start an academy um, that is going to be for everybody as far as civilian or military. You don't have to be into law enforcement, but it's more focused on security and bodyguards and people like that because need, I need an outdoor range mm-hmm. and it's going to be about driving skills. That's right. Well, good. So that just goes to show that no matter where you are, any state or even the city municipality, you know, knowing those laws and what you can and can't do, because you may have somebody that um, purchases their firearm for the first time, but if they don't know the law behind it and they innocently are traveling with yeah. their firearm and all of a sudden they go through a state that doesn't recognize uh you know, Texas reciprocity or that you can even have a firearm in your possession and all of a sudden they get pulled over for speeding or another, you know, taillight out or something and they find a firearm in a non-resident's car, I mean, they can get into a world of trouble. Oh, so yeah. it's that's great that you're doing the education component because it's so important. You know, it's like we're, we're, we step up a level, we elevate ourselves when we have the responsibility to own firearms is there's so much more to it than just being safe with the firearm. Exactly. We have to go that step, 12 steps beyond and, and learn about the rules, what we can and can't do, where we can and can't go. So, yeah. and that falls on to us and, and our constant seeking of knowledge and, and being trained and educated. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, actually last week I got a customer, he is a military and he was from New York. So I sold him an AR-15 and I told him, sir, just be aware if you're going back to vacation or, you know, if you're going back for another station, be aware that this firearm cannot go into the state of New York 
because of all these regulations. So he said, oh, you know what? Thank you very much for letting me know because I have no clue about it. And I, if I didn't know this, I'm just going to, you know, bring it back. I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely don't want to have an AR-15 with a... Uh, he he got some 40-round magazine yeah. um, extension ones. So, yeah, I said, no, you yeah. don't want to bring those to New York. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, good. Is there any other information you'd like to share or any stories that brought you to where you are today? Um yeah, well, there's some some you know cool stories. Um, it's it's just very, very weird how I became you know into the the, the firearms industry as an audio engineer, um, and now there's quite a few things that are related as pretty much as as far as like uh, sound. Um, now I definitely understand you know how everything changes from one perspective to the other one. I mean, a lot of people, at least in El Paso, I've seen it that you know since you're shooting outdoor and you're in the middle of the desert, they don't wear um, uh, ear protection, and especially with 22, you know, mm-hmm. there's some people also with suppressed 22s, and you're like, uh, I mean, it's it's not loud enough. It is, it is. I mean, That's as right. an audio engineer, I can tell you, yeah, everything over 85 dBs uh, decibels. Um, it's just going to start damaging your ear depending on how long you expose them. Mm-hmm. Um, a normal shot fire, I want to say, is like 130, 140 decibels, which is pretty loud. Mm-hmm. And it won't take a long, you know, so you can get ear damage, permanent ear damage. That's right. So I always tell them, always have your ear protection. Um, even though if you're shooting 45 suppressed, no matter what, always shoot, you know, your, uh, your ear pro as well as your eye pro. But yes. I mean, as an audio engineer, I always keep your ears good. So I like the story that you shared with me before we started talking here on the podcast about what you specialized in with your audio. What was your specialty? Well, you know, um, I wanted to be a musician. You know, that's something that my my big my two big passions in life is music and guns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I told you before, uh, if I can go back to my youngest or my oldest memory uh probably five six years um when i was five or six years old um i was always surrounded by music uh i had like a little you know uh drum kit Mm -hmm. those fake ones or i don't know they used to sell at (laughs) toys r us and uh i always had that and a a little gun on me like a nerf gun or water, (laughs) water gun so i always grew up with two with those two passions but because my parents, they were not really supported with farms and they were with music. That's why I ended up um, going for audio engineering. Now, if I knew probably that my biggest passion is farms, then probably I would change my major. If I could go back to you know the past, um, instead of taking audio engineer, I'll probably go um, into the Air Force mm-hmm. and you know just get a, an engineer inside the Air Force. Uh, it's a it's a completely different story, but that's a good. Um, topic that I have, you know, every time that I we talk with my parents is why would you go back and study something else? And, you know, the reason is or the, the answer is, well, I didn't know I have this passion for farms because right. I never had the support. If I had the support probably at that young age, then, you know, my degree will be something different right and now. You never know what path you're going to be on. And mm-hmm. like I always say, you know, you're, you're always, things are, things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be in the place where you're supposed to be. So you would have never gone away to Boston if you weren't going to school. You would have never met your friend exactly. who turns you on to firearms. So everything <laughs> ultimately happens for a grand reason. Yeah. And then also, you know, before I, I was trying to set up my store, 
um, I did a lot of uh, retail in the past and then also sales. So I think that's why, you know, it, thanks to that, I pretty much had all the ideas together and to put the, the project and start the, the store. If you don't have a customer service experience or retail experience, I believe it's going to be a probably way harder to you know, start your own business because you don't know what to expect or, you know, um, get how you're supposed to treat a guest or a customer. So I'm sure just like I've experienced in a variety of stores, especially, you know, sometimes gun stores and, and other, um, as a customer, you know, words matter. And mm-hmm. if I'm treated welcoming or if I'm treated like I'm a bother, you know, if they don't have time to answer my questions, you know, am I going to give them my money? Probably not, exactly. you know, so you learn a lot just being a customer. And, you know, if you've had a big, broad um, experience of both sides of the spectrum, if you've had good experiences as a customer and poor experiences um, as a customer in retail, that can only help you be a be a better manager mm-hmm. and to treat your own customers the way that you want to be treated as a customer. That's right. Yep. Well, I do appreciate all your time today and I wish you only the best luck and I can't wait to have you on again when you have your full opening and uh, success stories to share. Thank you. There is no better place than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo and my friend Luis and you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to HuntStand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.